0: as born-again christians we get close to the lord jesus as we experience this revival and then it's the job of the world the flesh and the devil to try and cool things off and draw us away from the savior and it happens slowly before you know it hey where did jesus go well we left him we got drawn away Would you take your Bible this evening and please open up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 18. Luke chapter 18. Our story tonight is about a blind man. Now let's see here, chapter 18, and I think we'll begin at verse number 18. Number 35. Please follow along in your Bible as I read. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Well... Blindness is a a terrible way, if you ask me, my opinion. Blindness is a terrible way to go through life. But the term blindness is somewhat of an elastic term used to describe a wide range of visual limitations. Everything from difficulty seeing to total blindness. Total blindness is sometimes referred to as NLP, NLP by the vision specialists. NLP means no light perception. Now, the World Health Organization estimates that approximately 1.3 billion people in the world live with some form of vision impairment, but only about 40 million of them are actually NLP, totally, totally blind. So that's about 5% of the world. Now again, those are rough figures. The blind man here in our story, whose name, by the way, according to the Gospel of Mark, was Bartimaeus. I think, no doubt, he was totally blind. NLP. He had to be brought to Jesus, who then healed him. And so this is one type of blindness. But there are other types of blindness that uh, we're going to learn about this evening as we study this subject. Open our eyes, Lord. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to open the eyes of our understanding. Help us to see what it is you want us to see. Thank you for this amazing story here in the Scriptures, in the Gospel of Luke, About a man named Bartimaeus. And he met Jesus and he was never the same after. Now he could see. I once was blind, but now I see. Our Heavenly Father, teach us about blindness. The different types of blindness. Encourage us, increase our faith. To love you more. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Well, as... um, We mentioned there are many types of blind people, uh, many types of blindness, many instances, occurrences of blind people having done amazing things. Don't think that because someone is blind or partially blind that they can't do anything. By no means. Sometimes some of the most amazing things are done by people with handicaps, like blindness. A man named Ralph Titor... T-E-E-T-O-R, Titor, Ralph Titor. He was born in 1890. And when he was five years old, he had an accident that left him totally blind, NLP. For the rest of his life, Ralph was blind. But that didn't stop Ralph. He went on to graduate from the University of Pennsylvania with a degree in mechanical engineering. Imagine that. In 1935... Ralph was going for a car ride with a friend of his, happened to be a lawyer. And the lawyer would slow down while he was talking. And then he would speed up while he was listening. And there's Ralph sitting beside him in the front seat with this kind of jerky motion back and forth, back and forth. And it got quite annoying for poor old Ralph, the rocking motion. And so... It got him thinking, and he started tinkering with an invention to fix the problem. It took him 10 years to come up with his invention, but Ralph Teeter invented cruise control for automobiles. Now you know. (laughs) Pastor Hoxie in Chilliwack is a good friend of our church, and he is in no way blind, (laughs) but he once told me, Years ago, he was driving down the road, and in front of him was a van, and on the back of the van were some words, and he got up a little closer, and the word said, this van is being driven by a blind man, and he told me that made him nervous, and so when he had the opportunity, he kind of came up beside the van, you know, trying to look in to see who the driver was. And he realized there was more advertising. It was for a window blind company. So the man driving the van was selling window blinds. He was a blind man. (laughs) So that was a little bit uh, funny. But um, blindness will not stop a man from living a successful life as a teacher or a lawyer or a pastor or a counselor Or even as a medical doctor. Blindness doesn't stop a man from being a good husband. Or a good father. Or a good neighbor. Or a good employee. Blindness cannot stop a man from being born again. And blindness won't stop a man from dying and going to hell. It's important that blind people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Amen? Sure is. Now the Gospels record that when Jesus was on earth, he healed at least three blind men, Bartimaeus being one of them. Another man that Jesus healed of blindness, we find in John chapter 9, and this man was NLP, totally blind from birth. And Jesus healed him of his blindness. And then the man was questioned by the Pharisees. Because they weren't about to believe that this man was healed by Jesus. And so they they were questioning him, pressing him hard with questions. And that's when this blind man made an amazing speech. And he said in John chapter 9, 32, the man said, "...since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind?" Definitely a miracle that pointed to the fact that Jesus was God. God in the flesh. You know, for the last few years, researchers have been telling us that one day, surgical eye transplants will completely eliminate total blindness, enabling people to see again. And they've definitely made progress, a lot of progress. However, in my opinion, I still think that they're a few years away. Meanwhile, we've got people like Benny Hinn, faith healers, phony healers like Benny Hinn, claiming to heal the blind and heal blind people. Well, studies have been done on the people that Benny Hinn has healed of blindness, and lo and behold, they're 100% false. Totally fake. These certified blind people already had a measure of eyesight. They were not NLP. They were just having difficulty seeing. And there are a lot of tricks that these false, phony faith healers use to try and and make you think that they can heal the blind. Now, there are other types of blindness. As you are aware, there's a thing called colorblind, right? Colorblindness. This is um, a condition where people have trouble distinguishing different colors, such as green and red. They have trouble. Now that would be uh, a little dangerous when you're driving down the road and the traffic lights <laughs> you know, are changing colors. That might be a little dangerous. Some people are night blind. They can drive all right during the day, but at nighttime they have the worst time, trying to see, and so they don't drive at night because they're night blind. But there are other ways of being blind, more than just physical blindness, and I want to give you two or three of those tonight. Now, what I've been doing for the last couple of Wednesday nights is I've been preaching on revival truths. It's very important that we experience revival in our hearts, in our homes, and here in our church. It's very, very important that we live in a state of constant revival. As born-again Christians, we get close to the Lord Jesus as we experience this revival. And then it's the job of the world, the flesh, and the devil to try and cool things off and draw us away from the Savior. And it happens slowly. Before you know it, hey, where did Jesus go? Well, we left him. We got drawn away. And so it's very important that we realize we all need revival. The pastor of this church needs revival. The deacons of this church need revival. All of the people who attend Grace Baptist Church need revival. So that's what I've been working on for the last couple of Wednesday nights. And I've got one or two more to go. And so here are some different types of blindness. Number one opportunity blindness, opportunity blindness. Now this is an unfortunate type of blindness where you do not see the golden opportunities that are standing right in front of you. Now we're in Luke chapter number 18. I'd like you please to look at verse number 18. Look at verse 18. And a certain ruler asked him saying, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none, am oh, sorry, none is good save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, Sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Someone once said, We don't need more miracles in our lives. We just need to be more sensitive to the opportunities that God has already given us. This rich young ruler had an opportunity. His opportunity was to follow Jesus. Possibly, he could have been another apostle. The Lord was inviting him. Get rid of all these things and come. Follow me. There was an opportunity, a golden opportunity, but he never saw the value. He never saw how important it was. He was opportunity blind. However, the blind beggar, Bartimaeus, he was not opportunity blind. He was physically blind, but not opportunity blind. And when Jesus came through his town. He said, Jesus, thou son of David, which is another reference to Messiah. Bartimaeus, he was blind physically, but he wasn't blind to the opportunities. He understood that Jesus was no ordinary man. He was the Messiah. And then he said, have mercy on me. And, Did he take advantage of an opportunity? Boy, he sure did. He surely did. He was not opportunity blind. There's a common proverb in English. It says, opportunity knocks once. Have you ever heard that before? Opportunity knocks once. Someone cleverly added to that that proverb, yes, opportunity knocks once, but temptation keeps on hammering. (laughs) There may be some truth to that. An opportunity, an example of an opportunity is when you're driving behind a a pokey puppy and whoever's behind the wheel of that car in front of you is in no hurry and they're going way under the speed limit and you're kind of stuck behind them. You're driving along and you're kind of looking for an opportunity to pass them, you know, and there's cars coming. Well, you're driving along and they're slow And you get to daydreaming. Maybe you're thinking about getting home, what you're going to do. Maybe you're thinking about uh, uh, getting to work and having to apologize to your boss. Anyhow, you're daydreaming, and your one opportunity to pass the pokey puppy came and went. There was a big gap, but you didn't see it because you were opportunity blind. You weren't watching, and you missed it. And now you're stuck. That's just an example of being opportunity blind, I suppose. On January the 1st, 1962, the Decca Record Company in London, England, was opportunity blind. They were auditioning two young English rock bands. One was called Brian Poole and the Tremolos. And another... English rock band from Liverpool was called The Beatles. And Decca Record had to choose which one of these rock groups they were going to get behind and promote. Well, guess which one they chose. They were opportunity blind. They went for Brian Poole and the Tremolos, And this missed opportunity cost Decca Records hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue because the Beatles went on to be the Fab Four and, you know, worldwide craze and everything. They're still talking about the Beatles and Beatlemania and all that stuff today. They're still known worldwide. Whereas Brian Poole and the Tremolos, they fizzled and no one's heard of them. Decca Records was Opportunity Blind. Back in 2006, Yahoo.com went Opportunity Blind. They had an opportunity to purchase Facebook for $1 billion. And so they were thinking, boy, this is a great opportunity. And then they got thinking, well, maybe it's not such a great opportunity. Maybe it's overpriced who knows what's going to happen to this Facebook company. It's a a young startup. Sure, he had a a real Zoom. But, you know, boom and bust. Maybe tomorrow won't be worth anything. And so they backed away from the deal. They reneged. They took off. They said, no, we're not going to buy you. Good luck. Well, today, Facebook is worth something like 450 billion dollars and yahoo is worth maybe 40 billion something like that they went opportunity blind a lot of people wish that they had bought a house 15 20 years ago <laughs> even 10 years ago a lot of people wish they had made that investment in real estate I tell you, in life you have opportunities to be part of something, something new, something exciting. What will you do? Will you be opportunity blind? Or will you see the value in the opportunity and grab hold of it while you can? When I was in public school, I had the opportunity to get free piano lessons I threw it away. I said to myself, who in their right mind would ever want to play the piano? Not me, I tell you. I want to play ball with my friends. And my dear mother, she tried to encourage me to play the piano, learn to take advantage of this opportunity, and I said, no, thank you. Boy, I wish I had taken that opportunity. I wish I had learned it back then. When I got into Bible college, I had the opportunity to visit Israel. And I said, no, I'm not interested in visiting Israel. I wish I had taken that opportunity to visit the Holy Land. That would have helped a lot. You know, just in my walk with the Lord and my experience with the Word of God, I've had opportunities that I've let slip through my fingers. Like sand at the beach. They're gone. Can't get them back. Yeah, I've got some regrets. But you know, God does give us opportunities. Beloved, you have the opportunity to be involved in what I believe is an exciting church. Grace Baptist Church is an exciting church, it's not a dead hole in the wall. It's a vibrant, living, growing, exciting church. We've got the opportunity to be involved in it. What are we going to do with that opportunity? There are lots of things that we can do. We've got soul-winning ministries, flyer distribution ministries. We've got nursery, choir, ushering, media ministries. We've got several different ministries that you can be involved with. It's an opportunity. What will you do? What will you do? You have the opportunity to be involved with an exciting Bible college. We have a Bible college here in our church. How many churches have a Bible college, a full Bible college in their church? Not a lot. We got one. That's an opportunity. You can take courses online, you can take courses in person. Boy, there's an opportunity, if you ask me, I think everyone ought to get involved somehow with the Bible college. You will be blessed. It's a great opportunity. Um you know the story of Martha and Mary? Do you remember when Jesus came to their home? And you remember Martha made the decision? I mean, here, Jesus was in the home. Martha made the decision to take off to the kitchen. And she rattled her pots and pans and everything. Mary made the decision to sit at Jesus' feet. What does that tell you? Bible college gives you an opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet. So we need the kitchen. We need, you know, the Marthas in the kitchen. But maybe Martha should have come and sat at Jesus' feet for a few minutes too. That would have helped. That would have helped. You've got a Bible college. All right, so there's opportunity blindness. A second type of blindness, if you turn back a couple pages in Luke, to chapter 15. This we call family blindness. Family blindness. you imagine that? Family blindness. There are a lot of people in the world that are family blind. They are. In chapter 15, look please at verse number 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. You say, What kind of riotous living? Well, if you look over at verse number 30, here the elder brother said, uh, this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots. Harlots. In the news just yesterday, I saw a sad little story. Um, In the Star Wars series, there were these little things called the Ewoks. You know what I'm talking about? The Ewoks? And they were furry little creatures, you know, in the land of make-believe. But one of the Ewoks, one of the main Ewoks, was a, a small dwarf man. And he was an actor. And he was dressed up in costume as an Ewok. And he made quite a bit of money. He was actually quite famous for playing the part of an Ewok. Well, this guy wasted everything. He burned through all his money on prostitutes and drugs. And just the other day, 56 years of age he finally had a heart attack and died sad isn't it isn't that's sad here This young man took all that money and wasted it on riotous living. Verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Those are pigs. Ooh, for a young Jewish boy. Pigs. How far can you fall? Well, verse number... uh, 16, it says, and he would fain have filled his belly. The word fain means to have a great desire for something. And so, as he was feeding these pigs, you know, with the uh, husks, those husks started to look appetizing because he was hungry and he'd eat anything. I'm amazed he didn't eat one of the pigs. But the husks or the swill or the junk that was being fed to the pigs, boy, it was starting to look good. You see, in this verse, no man gave unto him. Verse 17, and when he came to himself, finally the light bulb went on. Finally he sat upright. Finally he realized, I've hit bottom. Look at me. Just look at me. I'm here, you know, hip deep with the pigs. And I'm feeding them. And the swill is looking good to me. What's wrong with me? Boy, have I fallen. He came to himself. He said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. This, of course, is the prodigal son. Many men and women have been so blessed by God to have a family. And yet, many are blind to the treasure that they've been given. This young prodigal was family blind. And it took hitting rock bottom before he finally came to himself and realized, what an idiot I've been. My family is waiting for me. We we live in crazy days. So many families are going through world war behind closed doors. This one accuses that one. That one accuses this one. Each one goes to a different corner of the house. This one goes out and slams the door. This one says, I can hardly wait to blow this popsicle stand. And we've got families that are imploding, if not exploding. If you have a family then pray for them and cherish them and be a blessing to them every day because that is an opportunity and God will bless you if you take that opportunity. You know, someone once said that home, listen to this, home is where you're treated the best and you complain the most. So true. So true. So Family blindness. That's a pretty sad way to be blind. And then finally, number three. This one is spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. And if you ask me, I think this is perhaps the worst type of blindness that anyone can have. Now, if you would go to chapter number 16, we have, starting in verse number 19, a man who was spiritually blind... It says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. That means he ate to his heart's content. He ate like a king. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. That tells us something about hell, doesn't it? Verse 25, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented." And beside all this, between us and you, by the way, the word you is plural. That's the beautiful thing about our King James Bible. It, it tells us if it's singular or plural. If, it begins, if the word begins with the letter T, thee, thy, thou, it's singular. If it begins with the letter Y, you, your, ye, it's always plural. And so here's Abraham talking to the rich man, and he says, you, plural, you guys, there was more than just one soul in hell. The rich man, he wasn't the only one in hell. There was all kinds of other people there in hell. And so Abraham said, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they, which would pass from hence to you, cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, this is the rich man. Then the rich man said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Imagine that. The guy in hell. Cares about his brothers back on planet earth. Back up on the surface. I got five brothers. Send Lazarus so he can knock on their door and do soul winning. So that he can talk to my unsaved brothers and tell them, you'd better get right with God or you're going to end up with your elder brother down in a pit of hell. I saw him. And I'm telling you, you don't want to go there. And this rich man thinks if Lazarus does that, then it'll shake them, it'll scare them, and they'll get right with God. That was what he thought. But look, verse 29, Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Abraham was saying they got the Bible. Let them read the Bible. Verse 30, And he said, Nay, Father Abraham. He said, My brothers don't read the Bible. Ho, ho, ho. They're not interested in the Bible. But if Benny Hinn could come. But if some great charismatic faith healer would knock on their door. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. The rich man was thinking, no, no. They don't read the Bible. They're not interested in the Bible. That'll take too long anyhow. And there's words, you know, these and thou's. You can't understand the Bible. No, no, no. What they want is they need Lazarus to go back because they'll remember him. Remember, uh, I'd have my brothers over to my home and they'd all have to walk by Lazarus, you know, laid at my gate full of sores. They'd all recognize him. Send them back. Send them back. They'll say, what happened to you? He'll be able to say, I went to paradise. I met Abraham and I saw your brother. And my brethren, they will repent if one comes back from the dead. You know, on the YouTube There are several people who claim to have died and gone to heaven and come back. Others claim to have died and gone to hell and come back and they're here to tell us all about it. But what they like to do is get us to buy their books or go see their movies. Follow the money, beloved. So this was the thought of the rich man in hell. Verse 31. And he, that's Abraham, said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, so if they're not going to read the Bible, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. Even if we did send Lazarus back and he knocked on their door, they'd say, who are you? Well, I'm Lazarus. You are not Lazarus. He died. Who are you? I'm Lazarus. You are not Lazarus. Lazarus is full of sores. You look pretty good. Who are you? I'm Lazarus. I'm back from the dead. I saw your brother. You're a liar. Grab him, boys. Throw him off a mountain. That's what would happen. The Pharisees stood at the foot of the cross and there's Jesus hanging, dying for the sins of the world. And they looked at each other and said, Huh, Others he saved. Himself he cannot save. If he be the, the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross now and we will believe. Well, supposing Jesus had said, All right and he pulled those nails out out of his feet and hopped down off the cross, what would the Pharisees have done? They would have cried, Guards, seize him! He's escaping! Quick, someone grab a sword! Finish the job! They wouldn't believe even if Jesus did come down off the cross. The only way people can believe is through the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the what? Word of God. That's the only way faith comes. That's God's design. If someone comes to you and says, Well, I never read the Bible and I'm saved. Well, they're either a liar. Or they're deluded. It's possible that they heard people speaking the scriptures to them. Over a period of time, months or years. And through hearing... The Scriptures, they got faith. The Holy Spirit gave them faith. But the Bible has to be involved. If someone's not going to read the Bible, they're not going to get saved. If someone's not going to hear the Bible, they're not going to get saved. The Bible has to be involved. Spiritual blindness. This rich man was spiritually blind, not just in hell, but on earth. He lived his whole life thinking, well, I don't need this salvation I have the favor of God. Look, I've got wealth and riches. You know there's a lot of people that think that because they have money that they're right with God. Look, I have the blessings of God on my life. I'm wealthy. Therefore, I'm going to heaven. There's a lot of people who believe that. There are other people who believe that because they are physically deaf, That they're going to heaven. Because now, not all deaf people believe this, but some do. They say, Well, I'm being punished on earth because I'm deaf, and God would not punish me in eternity. This is punishment enough. There are some blind people who think the same thing. I'm being punished on earth. God wouldn't punish me in eternity. I'm going to heaven. Spiritually blind. Did you know that uh, the people of Noah's day, Noah and the ark, remember? The people of Noah's day were so preoccupied with their worldly lives that they were spiritually blind to the preaching of Noah. They refused to believe, and consequently, they all perished. When they nailed Jesus to the cross, they nailed two other men to the cross as well, two thieves. Both had the opportunity to repent and believe in Jesus for salvation. One thief repented and ended up in paradise. And the other was spiritually blind and died and went to hell. I tell you, there are so many examples of spiritual blindness in the Bible. Balaam, you remember with the talking donkey, you remember that story? He had been hired by the king of Moab to come and curse the children of Israel and he promised Balaam all this money, money, money. And so God stopped him. Remember with the the angel with the sword and the donkey could see this, but Balaam couldn't. Balaam got all mad at his donkey and he started beating his donkey and God opened the mouth of the donkey and says, what are you beating me for? And this guy was so out of it, he didn't realize his donkey was talking Hebrew to him. Wow. And so he answered the donkey. He, started, and he entered into an intelligent conversation with his donkey. And finally, the Lord opened his eyes. He said, oh man, I shouldn't have done this. Anyhow, he still went. Because what he really wanted was the money. The Bible makes that very clear. He wanted the... Uh, the, uh, the wages of unrighteousness. He wanted the money. That's why he went. There are a lot of people. They're money mad. People who are always playing the lotto. By the way, statistically, most people who play the lotto cannot afford to play the lotto. They live on very little, lim- little and limited income. They're poor. And so they're always... Handing over more money, more of their, their money, more of their money to, to, to play the lotto in hopes that they'll strike it rich. That's a statistical fact. Most of the people who play lottos are people that shouldn't be playing because they can't afford it. Statistically, people who make over six-figure incomes, they hardly ever play the lotto. What do they need the lotto for? They're making over six figures. But it's the poor people who are forking over the money. Now we're not here to talk about lotto. I think that many good Christians in the world today have been ruined by the allure of money. Big jobs, high paying salaries. And it ruins them spiritually. The Apostle Peter wrote to Christians In 2 Peter chapter 1, and he told them to give all diligence, add to their faith, virtue, and knowledge, and temperance. And then he said these words, If these things be in you and abound, ye shall never be barren. But he that lacketh these things is blind." It's important that we as Christians be growing and growing, getting involved in serving the Lord and living for Jesus every day, adding to our faith virtue and to our virtue knowledge and to our virtue temperance and so on. But if these things are lacking in our lives as Christians, it means we're blind and cannot see afar off. So it doesn't mean NLP, total blindness. It means nearsighted because he goes on to say, cannot see afar off. So many Christians can only see just to the end of their nose as the saying goes. They can't see afar off. They can't see the needs of this world. They can't see the needs of others. Their their whole mind, their whole energy is wrapped around themselves because these things are, are not in them. Therefore, they're blind. They cannot see afar off. And what's more, They've forgotten that they've been purged from their old sins. Peter wrote that to Christian people. And it seems that even Christians can at least go partially blind. And I'll show that to you if you would turn to chapter 24 of Luke. Chapter 24 of Luke. I'll show you this. That even good Christians can experience Blindness, at least partial blindness. Luke chapter 24, and look please at verse number, well, let's see here. We're talking about two of the disciples in verse 13. They went that same day to a village called Emmaus. And they're walking along. These are the two believers that were going to Emmaus. And Jesus drew near in verse 15. But look at verse 16. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. It's like they were blind. They may as well have been. You see, they couldn't see. That happened to good people. These are good people. Look also at verse number uh, 31. Now Jesus joins up with the, uh, the disciples. Um, I'm sorry, he's still with these two. And verse 31, And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Did you know that the the psalmist King David wrote these words in Psalm 119? He said, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. That is a prayer you and I should be making every day. Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. Help me to see your will. Help me to see you here in the Scriptures. The older we get, our physical vision may get affected. It may start to dim. But our spiritual vision, I think, should be getting better. Physically, our eyes may start to close and get dim physically. But spiritually, our eyesight should never be better. We should be seeing clearly and more than ever before in our lives the older we get. As Jacob got close to death. The Old Testament uh, patriarch Jacob, he got close to death. His eyes went dim. Physically, he he was going blind. But spiritually, he had great vision and he was able to see and prophesy the future of his sons. I think the prayer closet will help us with this more than, than anything else. As we get older, the effects of dust and disease and age... Multiplied over time can mean that we need glasses, or I don't know, maybe something more. We need to go for checkups. And likewise, as Christians, the effects of the world, the flesh, and the devil multiplied over time can affect our spiritual vision, which is why we always need to go for checkups every day to the Lord. Help me to see. And so, again, I say, if your spiritual vision is not better than ever, something may not be right. You need to ask the Lord why you're having trouble seeing the harvest fields. You need to be concerned if you're going spiritually blind. Back in 1974, a Christian man in the United States, who was not physically blind, by the way, he wrote the following song, Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus to reach out and touch him and say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. I suggest that you and I be praying to the Lord to open our eyes so we can see the opportunities and take advantage of them. Get a vision for the things of God. Get a vision for the harvest fields of this world. Start praying, Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. Would you pray with me now? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.